Exodus chapter 1, and we're going to get to Exodus chapter 2. We talked about Joseph. He was a man God tested. We're going to go right into Moses because he comes right in after it. And if I were to say something about him, I would say he's a man of movement. You think about Moses' life. He's always moving. And all of his movements, although Joseph's movements were great, all of Moses' movements were extreme. I mean, you're going to find out even in Exodus chapter 2, it goes right into his first adult thing that he does, and guess what happens? He kills somebody. He has to flee the country. And so we're going to look at this. We're going to see the, we're actually going to study Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. But I want to kind of set this up so you understand it. Exodus, um, Exodus 1 is all about the children of Israel. In fact, Exodus chapter 1, verse 8 says this. It says, Then now there arose up a new king over Egypt. Now watch these next four words. That knew, which knew not Joseph. Here it's basically setting it up to say, okay, Joseph was in the last part of Genesis, and he builds it up, and now the, the Pharaoh's gone, and this, not, this new Pharaoh doesn't even remember who it is. We've got to know our history. We've got to understand what God has done for us. And here it says that he which knew not Joseph. It doesn't take long for people to forget about their past victories. Amen? That's why you also need present victories. And here Joseph's on the scene. To understand Exodus chapter 2, you must study Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 22. So we're going to look at this real quick, and you're going to see Pharaoh's plan, you've got it in the first 15 verse, first 14 verses, he's sitting there do, doing everything he can to make their life miserable. He's trying to eliminate them. He's trying to do everything he possibly can to get them where, the, where they, don't, they can't do anything. But God always blessed them, even through the problems that they had. Um, and you're going to find this, and you're going to see some things in here. Let's look at verse number 15. And it says this, it says, And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shephira, and the name of the other was Pua. When you look at these two people, it's interesting. The first one's name means this, it means fair. The second one's name means splendid. And, and these, these ladies are going to come in, and he's going to tell them to do something. It's a pretty wicked statement. Let's see what happens. It says in verse number 16, it says, He said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools about ready to have the baby, if it be a son, then ye shall, she, ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then shall she, she live. You know, when I, when I study this, it's amazing to think that you would ask a midwife. A midwife's responsibility was to take care of that child. So you're telling this midwife, 50% of the time you're going to kill the baby. I can't imagine saying that. It would be going to a doctor and saying, listen, I want you to kill half the people that are born. Then it keeps keep reading and it says in verse number 17, but the midwives feared God. Thank God for that. These midwives were, were concerned about it and they feared God and it said, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. You re, we read these words flippantly sometimes. Can I tell you this? They could have died for what they did. He could have lined them all up and killed them. Because he had given them a command, they didn't follow it. Then the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing and, they saved, and have saved the men children alive? Now watch what he says, what they say to him. And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women 
are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. There's, he's basically saying that, that God allowed them to have their babies quick, so when the midwives were coming in, the babies were already born. Hmm. I like this next part. It says in verse number 20, it says, Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. This is exactly what he did not want to happen. And because these midwives and everything that happened with them, they started getting stronger. It says that, in that, that it says, um, they became very mighty. When you read verse 21, it's, all, it's interesting when I read it, the first, time, the first couple times I read it, it, it's, it says, it says, and it came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses. A lot of people, I've heard people say, well, Pharaoh built their houses. That's not what this verse is saying. The he in that second part is God. God took care of them for what they did. So his plan one was this. His plan one was to have the midwives kill the babies. And since they wouldn't do it, he comes up with plan two. Look at plan two. It's the next verse. Next verse, he says this, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Now he's not just brought the midwives in there. He's brought everybody else in and saying, Listen, this is what's going to happen. So this sets the tone of chapter 2, and here we all know the story. What, what, what was interesting about this story is if Pharaoh's plan to keep, was Pharaoh's plan to keep the Israelites in bondage? I mean, here they're, they're building everything. It says they built cities for him. Was his plan to keep them in bondage? I don't think it was. Because in one generation, you know what he's doing? He's wiping them out. They're not going to be able to build anything because they're going to take all the boys. Those are the main workers that they had. And those men, those men later on would build things for him. But I want to say this to you. When you look at Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, you see God's grace in, in, in Moses' movement. Here comes along in verse number 1 and 2 in Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2 it says, And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to a wife of the daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. It's interesting. She did not name him Moses. Pharaoh's daughter would let later name him. You're going to hear, you're just going to, you, you really don't know much about Pharaoh's childhood. All you know is verses 3 through 10. Now the problem is, is we, we, we look at these things and we kind of have a, our own perspective of what's going on and, and it's a very simple story of what they say. But I'm going to give you 10 amazing aspects or miracles of Moses. And you find him in his life in verses 3 through 10, and it really had nothing to do with him. It was God's protecting him as a child. There's interesting, you'll find some blessings in there. You'll find grace in there. You'll find mercy. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? Do you want blessings in your life? I do. Do you want grace in your life? Do you want mercy in your life? Now, I want you to throw aside everything you know about this story and let's look at it. Let's, let's dig into this and you're going to see 10 different things. And I really want you to think, think these things over as we go. Verse number, verse number three, let's read that. It says, and when she could, not, she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. You know, when I was looking at this, I was thinking Moses' mother it says this, it says, could no longer hide him. 
For three months, she hid him from everybody. Now, you, you think about that aspect as a mother. When you have a child, guess what you want? You want to show everybody. And she has to hold back and not say anything to anybody. But it comes to the point where she can't hide him anymore. And she has to do something drastic. And I was thinking about this. This is Moses' mother's faith. Moses' mother's faith. And we'll look at this in just a second, a little bit deeper. But the first one is this. Moses' mother could no longer hide him. It shows Moses' mother's faith. Then you keep reading in the second, in verse number 4, and it says, And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done, done to him. Now, there can be much speculation on this verse. She was putting him into a river that was very dangerous. And the child was following, his sister was following, I don't know, how, we don't know how long this, how, how old this child was, but there's a big responsibility. And she's marked it, knows where it's at, and she's following this, this child as, as a movement or wherever, wherever she places the child, she's watching it. A lot of things could go wrong. But it shows the sister's grace that she has. It shows her faith. And she starts watching it. Would it not be obvious to somebody if there's a child there and someone's just sitting right five, five, ten feet away from it looking at it? I don't know how far she was away from it, but wouldn't it be obvious? As a spectator, I'd think, that child knows something about this child. When, and you're going to see her ask a question. Can I say this to you? God wants our faith. Whatever door you're walking through, He wants your faith. He wants to see you show Him your faith. What's the Bible say? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And we flippantly read that sometimes, but here is a mother that's held this child for three months. Love the child. And she's placing the child in a basket on a, in a river. You just see God's faith all the way through this. And you know, when I was saying this, I was thinking, you know, I don't think like God. In Moses' life, you're going to see many different things as we expose some of the things that he's, he's done. And, and, and you see so many attributes that, you know, I would never do it that way. Here I'm going to place it in there, but God had a plan. What was that plan? It was just spot on every time. And aren't you thankful for God's plan? You ever done something, you go, I just don't know if this is God's plan. But then when you do something and you know it's God's plan, you go, wow, this is amazing. It's amazing how God does this. We've got a lot to be thankful for. But you know what God wants out of us? He wants our faith to Him. Here you have a mother and you have a sister, and they're both they're executing their faith for the life of a child. Can you imagine that? Sometimes we just read it and say, oh, she put him in a basket and set him down the river. Is there anybody in this room that's ever had to do that? Can you imagine? I'm thinking of some of your children. You just go, okay, I'm going to just put them in a dangerous situation. I'm going to have a sibling watch over them. And thank God for a sibling that really, truly watched over them. And, and we're going to just put him in a situation and hopefully he'll turn out right. I'm telling you, this illustrates her faith in a God that she serves in a hostile environment because she should have not had to do this. But there was a tyrant that was a Pharaoh 
that wanted to kill these kids. The Bible says, what does it say? When she could no longer hide him. You know what? Pharaoh had a plan. <laughs> Moses' mom had a plan. You know what I also think is interesting? Is where Moses' mother, who Moses' mother was and who his father was. Go to verse number one. Where were they from? A tribe of what? Levi, that Levitical tribe. Interesting that they chose that one. And so here you've got these, these two things going on, and it was obvious. What if they figured out she was with the baby? She had not done what they had said. What was his command in the last verse in chapter 1? What was his command? Throw the babies in the river. She put the baby in the river. She somewhat listened. <laughs> you know, you look at this story and you go, wow, this is just an amazing story. And we all know it. But here she puts the baby in the river. Now go to the, the third point I want to say to you is this, that God's timing is always perfect. Go to the next verse of verse number five. And it says, And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. Now, it just so happened that the baby's in the river when the Pharaoh's daughter's in the river. Why is this so important? Can I say this to you? She was one of probably the only few people that could get away with this. That brings chill bumps to me. It wasn't just a servant down there. It wasn't just anybody down there. It was the man that made the command in the last verse of chapter 1. It's his own flesh and blood, his daughter. And can I say this to you? Daughters have a pull on daddy. I had the privilege of talking to both my daughters yesterday and today. And you know, there's just something about it. Whenever, no matter what I'm doing, if they call me, I want to take that phone call. And they ask me questions and... And sometimes they, Meredith talked to me yesterday and she was walking and, and, and she was having conversations with other people while she was talking to me. And she'd ask me questions and I'd go, are you talking to me? And I looked at my phone and when I looked down I said, oh my word, I've talked to her for 55 minutes. Well, I've only talked to her for about 25. She's talking to 30 minutes to other people. And so it got to where I was drilling some stuff at, at my house and I'd start drilling and I didn't know she was talking to me, and she'd start yelling. Ah! I was like, what, Meredith, what do you want? Can I tell you something? A daughter has the pull from the daddy. And here, the timing is perfect with this baby. Do I think that they knew when she'd go down there? I don't think they did. But watch this. Not only is the timing great for them, look at the next statement. The timing was, was perfect for the daughter to go, the, the Pharaoh's daughter to go down there. But I, I like this. And sometimes we read these and we go, well, what does this mean? Go to verse number six. And when she opened it, what are we talking about? The basket. She opens the basket. What's inside the basket? A baby. What's God's timing on this? She saw the child. Watch what it says. And behold, the child wept. I don't know if God reached down and pinched that child at that exact moment.
but she looks down at that child, and you say, well, I don't know if that's God's timing. You don't think that? Keep reading the portion of Scripture. Because right when she opens it up, she looks down, she sees the baby, it starts crying, and look what it says. Keep reading. It says, and she had compassion on him. Just so you understand this, she also knew where the baby came from. She had compassion on the enemy of her father. The declaration was about Moses. It was about men, children. She looked and she said, listen, I'm going to have compassion on this. For some reason, he starts crying and God's timing is always there. She says she has compassion. And I love this because you just see she knew the commandment. Because look at the next statement. She said, and she said, and behold, the baby wept, and she said, compassion, she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. She knew exactly who he was, where he came from. So you have in the first one, you have the mother's faith. In, number, in verse number four, you have the, sister, the sister's faith. In verse number three, you have God's timing. Isn't he a blessing? In verse number four, you have the Moses wept. God's timing is always perfect. She had compassion on him. There's always something to be thankful for. You walk down the hallway of our house, there's, there's something that I think she got it at Hobby Lobby. It says, there is always, always, always something to be thankful for. Sometimes I, I walk down the hallway and I read that, and then you've got to be happy. You know, if I were to ask you, has God ever showed his timing to you? Absolutely he has. Has God ever showed his timing to you? Do you ever think you just can't do something and all of a sudden, boom. God shows his timing. And God's timing is always better than my timing. You ever try to force an issue? We've got to have it, we've got to have it what? Now. We live in a microwavable environment. Got to have everything now. How many of you like hot dogs? I love hot dogs. And don't, don't show me videos of how they make them. I don't want to see how they make them. And do I know what they're in? They say beef, and I don't care what part of the beef it is. I still like them. Can I tell you, I like a boiled hot dog a lot better than a microwavable hot dog. You can tell a difference, right? Well, when my wife's gone, I have microwavable hot dogs. I love Hebrew national hot dogs. Anybody ever had a Hebrew national hot dog? It's kosher. All right? Doesn't have the bad parts in it. I don't know what that means either. But when she's there, you know, she'll ask me if I want a hot dog. I say, yeah, can you boil it? But when she's not here, you know what I want? I want the convenience of putting it on there for 30 seconds. I learned a valuable lesson. You better poke a hole in it. When I get home, I got to clean my microwave. But anyway, and don't put it on for two minutes and walk away, Okay? That thing split out both sides and shot stuff all over my microwave. It was Hebrew hot dog, all right? So can I, we, we, we live in an environment where we want things quick and we want it now. We want God's timing. I mean, God's timing is always good. You have verse number six where she opens it up, the child starts crying, and it's just in God's timing. So we have the mother's faith. We have the, the sister's faith. We have the timing of her being down there. 
we have the timing of the child crying at the, the, the most opportune moment. Now let's look at the next one, go to verse number 7. Verse number 7 says, then, then said her sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew woman, that she may nurse the child for thee? Now I don't know where she was, but she could see what was going on. You ever thought about this? Do you not think they had protection around the daughter? Absolutely, she probably had people there. In our modern day, we would call it secret service. But this child was close enough to answer, to see what was going on and tell her, hey, would you mind if I found a Hebrew woman to nurse this child? Now, this is going to again show the Mo Moses' sister's faith. Why? Because it was obvious. She sees the whole thing and she says this statement. Shall I say, shall, I wonder if in her mind, if she thought, should I say something or should I not? I've went through this whole thing. I've saw my brother being protected. Then she asked an obvious question. Do you want me to find someone that can take care of this child? Thank God she answered the, the, the Moses, um, Pharaoh's daughter answered the right way. But you're going to find in verse number, verse number 8, you're going to see the grace that was applied to Moses' mother. Look at verse number 8. It says, And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go, and the maid went. Now, she didn't say that this child was this, this mother was this child's. They were, they were hooked together. They didn't say that. But she, said, but she went because she knew and she brings the mother back to take care of her own child. When you look at that, you just go, it's amazing how God works these things out. I don't know if you, you see, but when I look at this, I go, wow, this is amazing. This child's following her. And, and I'm wondering in my mind, should she say anything? Moses' mother is called in verse number 8, and we see God's grace in her life. Now let's, let's back up a little bit. And here's where I like to think outside the box. I'll ask two questions for you. I wonder if she thought it would turn out this way while she was making the basket. Put yourself in her perspective. She knows what the rule is. She's had a baby, three months, she's hit it. And I wonder if every time she does a weave in that basket, if she's wondering what's going to happen to this child. I wonder if this is what she thought would happen. I don't think she did. You know what she was doing? She was illustrating faith when she put the baby in the basket. I don't think she had any intention of this, this ending the way that it did. But God's timing is always better, and she knew exactly what. And God shows grace to her. She loved this child. She built this thing for this child, and, 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 and as I was wondering, I was wondering what she thought of after she built the thing and she puts the child in it. As she's setting the child in the water, I wonder if she realizes what's going to happen with this child. See, sometimes we read this, and we know the end result, and we don't think it through as we're looking at it. I would love to get a perspective of what Moses' mother thought while she was doing this. You know what I think she was? One word, devastated. 
She was devastated to have to do this to a child that she loved. But it shows God's grace in her life because God allowed her to take care of that child. Go to verse number 9. So we're up to 7. If you go to verse number 9, it says this, And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. <laughs> now God didn't only bless her, but now she's got employment. She had no idea what was going to happen with this thing, and Moses' mother is allowed to take the child. Moses' mother's faith had protected the child. Look at, look at verse number 9 again. And, and, and Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me. He, she, she allows her to take the child back. Now watch. If someone came to her house and it was her child, they couldn't do anything about it. All she'd have to say is, this is not my child, this is Pharaoh's daughter's child. Now you go to the neighbor house, and they had a baby boy, they would kill that child. I don't know how she signified that it was her child, if she had a piece of paper or she had some kind of medallion saying, this is, this is the daughter's, the Pharaoh's daughter's child. But if you just think about that story, now she's able to go back home and take the child with her. No one else could do that. Pharaoh's daughter allowed her to spend more time. It shows God's grace. It shows God's blessing in her life. And I wonder when she, when she was taking care of the child, if she really just thought it all the way through of how God had done so many wonderful things. And I, I already gave you number eight. Number eight, not only was she able to take care of the child, but she was paid to take care of the child. I mean, how many mothers get to do that? You're going to have a child and we're going to pay for it. I mean, America sometimes does that. But, you know, in this time, they, they, that, was not, that was unheard of. And I want to answer this question too. I do not think Pharaoh's daughter knew that this was her child. I just think, I just think that she, she had compassion on this child and the compassion drove her to do what she needed to do. So take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the, and the woman took the child and nursed it. Now, verse number 10 is where, where we wrap it, or verse number 9. Um, I'm sorry, it's verse number 10. It says, And the child grew, and she brought him into Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. Now, when I was writing this out, there's two aspects of this, with this part of the story. It says, Pharaoh's daughter becomes mom, the mother of this child. God's blessing to the daughter. Can you imagine the blessing here? She's in there. She, she's going down and going to the river. She, she's going to take a bath, and, her, and all of a sudden she sees this child. She brings it in. She has compassion on it. She says, you take it. You're going, you're going to raise the child and then bring the, back, bring the child back to me. And it says that she, calls, that she becomes the mother. And it becomes a blessing because it would rise Moses up to where he needed to be to do what he needs to do. It puts him on both sides of the spectrum. He's a Hebrew boy, but yet he's in the king's palace, in, in the Pharaoh's palace. And when I was thinking this through, she was probably one of the few people that could get away with this. But there's another aspect of this story at this particular verse that sometimes we overlook. God's blessing to the daughter. 
But Moses' mother had to be given grace to do this. You ever question God why? And there's no reason, there's nothing wrong with questioning God why. It's just you've got to accept the outcome for it. On one grand scale, the, the, the daughter's happy to have a child. But then you've got a mother on this other side that has shown faith in putting the child in a basket, sending him down a river, but now she has to release the child and she can't say anything about it. Do you realize how much that would sound scandal? Scandalous? I can't imagine if she walked away and said, here's your child, as any mother would do, she would have been devastated. But you see this more in the Bible. Read 1 Samuel. You'll see it in the Bible. But it also shows the mother's love for the child because she would go at any distant to protect this child. Can you imagine though? Because really, go to verse number 11, it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. <laughs> That's a soul. I mean, they, they tell more about this when he's a child than all of a sudden he's grown. But I'm sure Dorcas said she probably saw him during the days as he's growing up. And he wasn't probably dressed as a Hebrew boy. He was probably dressed as an Egyptian. Kind of reminds me a little bit about Joseph. He was not an Egyptian, but he looked like one. And Moses was taught everything that they were taught. Surely they sent him to the same schools. But I can't imagine what she would think when she'd see her child. Now think about that. Moms and dads in here, think about that. If, if you were to see your child out and about and you're just doing your, your daily walk or you're going, to the, you're going to buy something at the market and all of a sudden you see your child from a distance and you, you can't really say anything about it. And he knew he was Hebrew. They knew he was Hebrew. Can you imagine the grace that she had to get to get, get through this? Because she didn't know how this was going to play out. Watch this. She had no idea that he was going to be the leader of the Israelites. She just knew that she had to give him over to God because there was a wicked man as a Pharaoh. Then I like what she does. The, the, the daughter, Pharaoh's daughter. This is the last one. So number nine is Pharaoh's daughter becomes mom. It's God's blessing to the daughter. It's Moses' mother, Grace. She had to give him over and she had the love of the mother. But look at what, what happens in this. It says this. It says, um, and, he, and, and he became her son. Now keep reading. In the last portion of this, it says, And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Moses, the name. If you look up Moses' name, it means two words. Drawn out. Drawn out. So every time she called his name, it was referring to being drawn out of that water. I think is interesting about that is what is he going to do? He's going to draw out the Israelites out of Egypt. 
He's going to draw them out and walk on dry land in the Red Sea. He's going to get to, that, he's going to, get to another body of water, walk, walk across on dry land with millions of people with him. And he's going to annihilate all the men that were in the Egyptian army trying to get him, including Pharaoh. Can I tell you this? God's blessings are on you if you just let God, God have his way. You've got to show your faith. Little did she know when she put that little baby in a basket that 6,000 years ago that we would be talking about him in Bible Baptist Church and know his name that his own mother did not name him. But was it an appropriate name? She had no idea who he was going to be. I guarantee you she was proud of him when he went through all this. Now, there were some b bad parts about him because in this own chapter, what's going to happen? He's going to kill somebody because he gets mad. And we, <laughs> I've heard preachers say, hey, he just killed somebody. Can you imagine being so mad at somebody that you did that? I mean, that, that's anger management gone crazy, amen? And we're going to look and see that story next, or not next week, but the following week. But I want to tell you something. God had a movement in Moses that he had to keep moving along the way. And you say, well, that would have been a rough life. How many of you could live in the wilderness? I'm trying to think how many men could live in the wilderness. There's probably four or five of you in here. Not me. Mm -mm. I want a hotel, amen, air conditioning and all that. You just think about Moses' life. He talks to a burning bush. He marries a girl just because he helps her feed her flock, water her flock. How'd you like that? Jeremy, there's a, there's, there's a, if there's a well out there, I want you to go out and start feeding all the flock. Amen? Nathan, same thing. Just go start feeding all the flock. Maybe you'll get a wife. Amen? God's timing and God's direction are totally different than what ours is. But I also like God shows grace. He gives us something we don't deserve. Because what should have Moses' mother had happened? She could have lost her son. She could have lost her daughter. But God didn't see fit that way. God worked the whole thing out. I hope you've thought about this a little bit more. Then just he's putting a he's putting a basket. She picked him up. All of a sudden, she calls him son, and his name's Moses. That's not the whole thing. You've got to put yourself in their perspective of as they're looking at this whole story, how it portrayed out to them. Because they were people just like us.